0: So I'll record on the computer. Yep. So this one's going too. So here we are. Um, so yeah, I guess like start, Let's start off by um, you know share with us like kind of your background. Um, either touching on some of the stuff that I, I spoke about in the intro, maybe updating, adding a little bit of your own color and flavor, and mm-hmm. to leading up into transitioning into you know how you got started to being a managing director at Fia. It, did I pronounce that right, Fia? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's perfect, man. Like, okay. uh, FIA is correct. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, we, we wanted it to sound like FIRE, um, but of course, you know, you have got the IA there and it just helps. Um, yeah, I'll talk more about like, what the actual meaning is in Samoa. Uh, but, uh, so, story, leading up to where we are today. Um, how far back should I go? As far as well, you would like. All right, all right. So since I've been doing a trip around um, Asia Pacific area, um, let's touch on a bit of like sort of the cultural background. So um, I was originally born in Fiji. My father is Fijian Indian. My mother is Tuvalu and Samoan. And this will connect uh, back to why we created FIIA. Uh And yeah, moved to Australia when I was uh, around two. Uh, Then grew up there for about six years. Uh, When I was eight, father had a job posting to Bangladesh, which then uh, had me attending an American international school there for about 10 years. Um, So I ended up graduating in Bangladesh. And during that time, I think being around all these other international students and kids and uh, then being taught by predominantly American uh, teachers, uh, it, it certainly shaped my world view. And, um, you know, I think I I was definitely involved in a lot of gathering of people, connecting and uh, community stuff and and cultural stuff, actually, um, even as young as then. And so then when I came uh, to Australia, that was around 2015, uh, that was for university. I ended up studying uh, multimedia systems, computer science, and then did a master's in animation, of all things. So I was always fascinated by... Uh, combining a bit of the the technical computers I was mad about, um, computer tech, and then wanting to combine that with the creative side, which was animation. And I had no intentions of doing a master's in animation, but uh, a teacher had seen one of my final thesis projects during my undergrad, and she said, you know what, Uh, you should come join our master's. So did that, of course it put me into more depth, but uh, <laughs> that was still um, a really interesting experience. I met some great people and uh, it, it helped shape some more things around just storytelling and how that connects to uh, community aspects. So after, uh, during my masters, I ended up um, finishing up or continuing a series that I had started called Tales from Nanameo, which was an animated series. And that animated series uh, ended up getting the attention of um, Adobe. And so I remember that was kind of like the first time I saw Twitter having um, a real influence um, or uh, uh, seeing how Twitter can connect you with other bigger players very quickly. Um, And so they heard about the series, contacted me on Twitter and said, we've identified you as a key person of influence um, in this space. Yeah, right. It was was weird. (laughs) It was really weird, man, um, and I thought it was a joke at first, so uh, you know, I replied, and um, I, didn't, I didn't really think anything of it, but um, yeah, they, they ended up uh, emailing me with details, took me out to some seven-course Spanish dinner, um, and they wanted to learn more about the series. And then uh, I found out that the reason why uh, they had an interest was because they were wanting to support uh, more creatives who are looking to use, of course, their tools. Um, for f- things that involve uh, social impact uh, type things. So this animated series was actually a note to my, my mother's side, the Tuvaluan side. So she's, as, as mentioned, she's Tuvaluan Samoan. And at the time when I created the series, it was, um, the this, this series was for the island of Nanamea, which is one of the eight islands that make up Tuvalu. And Tuvalu was at the forefront of climate change um, talks. So Tuvalu, the reason for that is because Tuvalu was said to be one of the first islands to sink if uh, ocean levels continue to rise. So I think that's where that uh, connection came in. So it was just you know fortunate timing. Um, But yeah, I created this series because I I wanted to um, preserve all these dying stories. Um, I heard I had heard that a lot of elders, um, not just in the Polynesian communities, but also you know other indigenous uh, communities as well that they were really worried about their stories dying because there are a lot of cultures out there that had very strong um, oral traditions. And um, I'm explaining all this because it actually has very much to do with how I became the the managing director for File. Um, But so the the, the storytelling aspect was uh, really important and animation and games uh, was becoming a way for a lot of these cultures to um, preserve those stories. And so yeah, that relationship continued with uh, Adobe. I had a job. As a front end developer, that was my first real job um, and while doing this and then but by doing the series, I actually learned a little bit more about the world of entrepreneurship because as a result of the series, I had to start you know learning how to market, promote, sell, um, and I had never really considered um, anything business related. My path at school was you know just go and get a job and uh, work for somebody but I very quickly learned during my career that um uh, I enjoyed people, um, my feedback, and the things that people would come to me for, people would always be coming to me either for advice or to, to talk to others for them. So imagine being in a group, in a team of developers, and every time the client called, nobody wanted to speak to the client. So they would turn to me and be like, George, can you speak to the client? So that ended up um, kind of pushing me towards a career that involved a lot more people-facing activities. And from the front end role, uh, moved on into a few other different roles, um, business development for a a group called Key Person of Influence uh, ironically, um, they are a personal brand accelerator, learned a lot about sales in terms of like cold calling and scripting, etc from them and um, then then landed uh, in the co-working scene and that was kind of my first foray into community management. I had no idea what a community catalyst was or what a community manager was. And, um, you know, I said, I looked at the job description and I was like, hey, this looks great. Um, You know, this seems like stuff that I'm doing already. And if I'm gonna get paid for it, great. And then mind you, while all this is happening, I'm still doing a lot of like side hustle businesses coming in and out of like paid, you know, uh, full-time work. um, And then also attempting my own businesses. And um, so, yep, yeah, go into the coworking industry, uh, learn more about community management. And that's where I really realized that, um, you know, there was, there was something here um, around community management that I think um, is sort of spelling out what the future is gonna look like. And that kind of looks more like the soft skills being valued a lot more as technology and automation becomes more and more prominent. So I think around, it was around 29 at the age of 29. Um, I was actually in Hawaii, um, on, on Mount, oh, I think it was Mount, I don't know if it was Kilauea or one of the other ones, but it was on the big Island. And I asked myself, I'm about to hit 30. I was like, if I was going to choose anything to um, sort of double down on or master over the next 10 years, what would it be? And uh, community came out on top. And I think it was, it was very, um, very relevant uh, to sort of my whole, my whole life uh, leading up to that point because culture, collaboration, community was interweaved um, throughout a lot of things that I got involved with. And so, yeah, that was the decision when I was that, – that was when I made the decision to actually pursue community um, a lot more formally. And um, because before then, you know, I was in the roles, but I, I, I was still searching. My 20s was actually still a lot about, like, trying to find my way, right, uh, myself. And figuring out what I wanted to what I wanted to really focus on, and so then uh, yeah, that's when things started to accelerate. Uh, Will Smith has a quote um, saying that you know in life you, you just need to decide you know there's always going to be many options, and once you've decided, it's like the whole universe conspires um, to to assist you and uh, that's definitely what I've been experiencing over the last couple years, uh, whereby after I made that decision, uh, so many things just rushed towards realizing a lot of the goals uh, that I had set or, or had. And uh, that's kind of what led to um, fire. Uh, I was working for a fintech company before this, and uh, an opportunity came up to actually take what I had been doing for the last decade um, and actually start um, a consulting business around it. And uh, as a result, um, I then did some scouting. This was 2000. 2000- 18 last year. I went to every region and asked myself if it was any country in the world that I would set up my, my new company. Where Wait, would can be. you say that one more time? It was, was yeah. what year? Uh, 2018. This was just last year. Oh, wow. Okay. Last year. Got it. Sorry. Yeah. So fresh. So fresh. Um, and uh, yeah, so it, the two cities that I ended up kind of narrowing down to was Singapore and Toronto. Um, and the reason for that is because both cities are actually quite multicultural. Um, and that really appealed and then, but the reason why I ended up uh, with Singapore is because Singapore, well, Asia uh, itself, I just felt like all the future economic flow was going to be coming back into the East. And, um, as I'm now traveling around and, you know, meeting prospects and, uh, bringing on clients, it, it's just confirming that. And it's, it, this has been happening for a while, but I was, I was living in Australia right previously. so. You definitely um, feel that isolation sometimes. Uh, but but now that I've made my my way back into Asia, I um, can definitely see that happening.
0: No, no, I, that, that totally makes sense. And it's crazy to, to see how much you've learned, you know, doubling down on community. And it's funny because that's like exactly what led us, right? Like we yeah. were doubling down and engaging in a community that we both learned a lot from definitely. and realized that, we've been doing for the last like five years, 10 years. Right. And so mm. it's crazy to realize that. And that kind of leads you to the next question. Like what are some of the feelings and emotions that you go through when you realize that you are speeding up and you have to start performing, right? Like mm. I'm in this almost training camp mode right now with where mm. I'm at right now and just like on my journey mm. and it's like resetting after a new job also continuing the podcast, but also growing and everything is becoming new, which is exactly what's supposed to happen, right? Like that's how I'm going, but there's so many new things and it's like, wait, how do you remember to slow down or like what do you do to, you know, stay grounded and focused? That's
1: a good question. And and I've been seeing it pop up a lot more recently. I don't know why. Um, But for me, uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned um, and it's funny because Gary V talks about this all the time about patience, right? No joke. Before I got, uh, I had my last, or I got my last job um, at the fintech company. Uh, there was one of his videos that he created because you know he only puts out a few like proper motivational videos, right? But there was one that was called patience, and I remember I played that almost every day. As I was as I was on the hunt for my next job, and um, you know it actually the reason why I think I resonated with this so much was because at that point in time that's how the it will come phrase became uh or evolved to an to like a new meaning or definition for me so you'll notice that the podcast is called the it will come show um it will come actually comes from my great-grandfather so that saying has been in my my family for well since i was born my mom would always say e which is to follow and for it will come and the the backstory for that is uh well when tuvalu was being colonized uh george i'm not
0: sure if that's me or you but there's like a little bit of like static ooh. ooh. um
1: let me see i wonder if it's because i'm moving oh maybe that's why okay right, hold on is it okay now Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good
0: <laughs> i didn't know that's if that was I'm my gonna... mic or eva or something i was like what is
1: that and <laughs> it was probably me because I tend to like move when I'm when I'm. Oh no! Nah,
0: keep it moving. If that's your thing, bro, <laughs> keep going. I just didn't. All know right, what's Happening. Keep going. Yeah.
1: No worries, man. Just let me know if it's if if, if it returns. Okay. Okay. Um, so so it yeah, it will come. So yeah, keep it yeah. rolling. <laughs> so it, it will come. Uh, so yeah, my great grandfather. Um, he, at the time that uh, Tuvalu was being colonized uh, by Christian missionaries, there were, uh, my 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 grandmother had come to my great grandfather and said uh dad you know uh christianity is coming in now uh we don't need any of the old ways you know like you can when you when you die pretty much can you take it all with you because i guess now that's considered evil stuff and um my great-grandfather so the story goes said okay i'll take it with me um i can see what's happening now uh but just know that in the future my mokopunas or like my my descendants, my great-grandchildren, uh, will come back looking for the old ways. And then he would say, he said, tenalo e it will come. And so uh, I didn't really understand this until I got into my late 20s. And looking at everything that I've found myself in, it's always been related to culture, history, philosophy, uh, communities and how they interact and a lot of the old ways. So, actually, when it comes to community stuff, I'm finding myself digging deeper and deeper into the like ancient past or deep past um, in each culture versus, you know, just studying what is out today. I mean, it's important, like, we can, we can learn things from it um, through, through data, but there, I find that there's a lot of the principles and things that, you know, are kind of timeless. And uh, so, whenever working with the community, I always try to take the time to understand their unique. You know, culture, language, or, or work with people who understand that before you know providing any solutions. And um, the more I do that, the more I learn about other cultures. The more I learn about myself, um, and and that's why it's it's become really uh, that whole process has become a grounding uh, factor for me. So uh, that the patience bit is really about understanding that you know the elders and the old timers uh, they know that uh, in nature. Um, nothing is ever hurried or rushed yet. Everything gets to where it's supposed to. And I think these days we're so used to maybe sometimes the hustle culture or, you know, making everything urgent because uh, technology has made things a lot faster. But, uh, you know, if you, if you've ever surfed or been out in the ocean, right. You have to learn timing too, that the ocean waves, that there's something magical about that as well. Not always trying to force your will. Um, upon things. There's a, there's a time to do that, but there's also a time to to not. And understanding the difference between those two, I think is what's becoming more prominent as I get older.
0: Thumbs up to that. That's exactly this. Literally, that was me on Friday. I was realizing that we had like a team training and basically someone, I guess, quick high level basically did something that was amazing, right? Like from a biz dev perspective, mapped out our whole territories, all the contacts, all the key players, all that. Right. Yeah. And I was like, how long did that take you to do? And she was like two weeks roughly. And then I realized that like, I've only been playing this game for three weeks. (laughs) So, I've only literally only had three weeks worth of at-bats and I'm trying to do something that someone that is already leveled up at the game that I'm playing, Mm. she already leveled up and I'm trying to do something that she did that took her two weeks and yes, I know and understand that I feel like I have certain levels and skills of ability and performance to where like I can, you know, get there, right? But it's just going to take time. And that's something that's tough because you're like, man, like I got to do this thing and I'm being, you know, I got to perform. And mm. then you got to realize like, dude, like you literally didn't even get out of training camp yet. like <laughs> yep. you, yep. <laughs> so you have to have that conversation with yourself and then level set, like, okay, like where am I and how am I going to not let the losses, right? Like I just look at it. I used to play safety. So I look at it like, man, like it's third and 12. Like, let me not let up this first down
1: yeah.
0: and I'm two for three. Um, and that, that this one time, like, ah, man, they got a first down, but like, it was actually second in four and they got a first down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not third and three in the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but that's what it feels like sometimes to people, right? Like when you're in a sales role, like you can speak to this when you're in a biz dev role and it's the end of the quarter, like. It's the Super Bowl. It feels like the Super Bowl actually. It it's kind of like, like the it's the yeah. playoffs. It's not the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is the end of the year when you have to hit your number. Like yeah. But the the quarters are kind of like, you know, the playoff games. And so for someone that's only been in a stage for 20 something days to being put on to perform within that that time frame, it does something to you really really fast and you don't really realize it's happening and then you get all frantic and Like, ah, like, I don't know how to do this. And then all of a sudden you have to take a timeout and go do a huddle with yourself and say, wait, 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 what are you confused about? Like, what's going on? And then you say, well, I didn't know where to focus. And then you say, well, why not? Like, your whole thing is teaching other people how to focus on the accounts that matter most. So how do you not know how to do that by now? And then I was like, oh, wait, you already know how to do that. So go do that and only do it in batches that make sense. So do it in small, tiny pieces. Thanks, Tim Ferriss, again, for that selection in the, you know, this method. Like, use that. Now go focus on those companies and get some key pieces of data that you can use to better segment the outreach and go and go do. And I had to have that conversation with myself and multiple other people because I wasn't accepting that, like, I'm only 25 days in or whatever the day is. And it's, like, really tough because, like, who you talk to? Like, it's, it's really tough. And that's one thing that I want to share with people. It's like, yo, like, I know what it's like to be the new kid on a football team and to not know what the plays and have to sit on the sidelines for two months until the coach puts me in for one play where I blitz off the edge or I play strong safety and roll down or whatever the case is. Then they're like, oh, wait, we have to find a way to get him on the field more. Like, that's just all – that happens right so yeah. you just have to be patient and capitalize on the opportunities and use the skills that you have and do your best right like you're not going to be perfect i'm looking back at my old podcast episodes and i'm like holy all the words <laughs> um like i didn't have anything down and now like even shared up honestly with this one it's like we put this together last minute but like i have an agenda and a framework and a process that i don't know i sent this to you what 10 minutes before the episode Yeah. And it's fine. Like I'm not flustered or anything, but like had this been my second episode, it wouldn't have been the same. So yeah, definitely love you pointing out the importance of patience. And you know, when you play that sort of message over and over again, you start to do it subconsciously. And I realized that too, like the Gary Vee stuff that I've taken on real quick is like, well, one, I have 7,000 videos on my phone. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, I literally will tell people I'm not a videographer or I'm not a photographer or anything like that, or I don't document my life or I need to find better ways to document my journey. And then I looked back at Twitter and was like, oh wow, like I just started talking more about it because I have a podcast and like, I have people that are doing cool stuff. Let me document my notes. And so like, I literally was thinking I wasn't doing it, but subconsciously, cause I've listened to every episode almost <laughs> it just happened. Like, that's one thing that I'm like, I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's just like, wait a minute, this is all already happening. Like I'm already this thing that I didn't think I was, you know?
1: Yeah. Spot on, man.
0: Yeah. Um, so I guess speaking on that topic of like patience, like what are some of the other, you know, different ways that you learned on your journey? Like what sorts of skills were self-taught like what things did you pick up from others? Um, did you learn from books?
1: Like what are some of the different ways that you learned? Uh, self-taught. Um, yeah, so, well, first up, man, like uh, thanks for sharing your side too around the patients. I think it's, it, one thing I did want to say about that is that I think that as I get older again, I'm starting to, maybe I'm becoming Taoist, but the yin and yang symbol has become very, very, meaningful for me because it's like as the world speeds up things like the message of patience actually is really spot on because it balances things out so you know having folks like gary v uh, out there and then spreading that message i think is a great like counterbalance um, to the culture of speed that we have and um yeah if there comes a time when you're too slow then speed becomes the main message and the right one uh but in terms of learning uh what skills self I mean, I always, enjoyed, uh, I always enjoyed learning things to do with technology from a very young age. Uh, I, wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I was like, um, you know, any of the part of the, the genius camp at school, but I think my social skills were, were pretty decent and, um, you know, hence why I'm now in this type of role. And also, you know, I learned too that like people who do have good social skills, uh, of course they can make it. You know that's it. It started to sh- show itself in, in sales, uh, in marketing, uh, in customer service, and so it was just learning how to like translate those things. So I would often, I think, I learn best through conversations with others. Um, I think I've learned so much um, just through random meetings and learning things through those conversations with people. And it's like one of the oldest ways, right, um, to learn. You think about how before technology, how people would learn oral traditions, what I was talking about with, um, you know, indigenous groups and how that passion for cultural animation came about was that we had a very strong oral um, culture, like oral traditions. And if you look back into any ancient culture or any indigenous culture, you'll see that there. And so often now, like I try to let my curiosity um, actually get the better of me, uh, because one of the benefits of the internet these days now is that, you know, you, you look up one thing and then it's really easy to be able to look up, you know, uh, another thing and you can get lost in a rabbit hole sometimes. But uh, that has also allowed me to to learn ah, a lot. Right. And um, but I think these days with the Internet, I don't think we ever kind of envision that we'd have the problem of having too much knowledge out there or too much information. Whereby, you don't even know what to trust sometimes, uh, you know, but that, that's probably a separate topic. Um, but uh, from, yeah, in terms of uh, the earliest things I remember uh, teaching myself was uh, Adobe Flash back in high school. And I remember ended up, I ended up teaching the teachers about it so that they could use it in their um, computer tech classes. So, you know, I think the, the ability for me to be able to, to teach my th- myself things just came about through curiosity while trying to solve your own problem. Right? If there's a problem there and it's really bugging you. Uh, Let that curiosity and that frustration carry you because you end up learning a lot through the process um, of trying to figure that problem out. And that translates very well to entrepreneurs. Facts.
0: I didn't even realize it either. I'm looking back and I'm like, what did I do? That was nerdy. Yeah. I I definitely took apart computers and wiped them clean to see how fast they could run and didn't know what I was doing. Yep. Um, And definitely also was similar to you as well to where, like, if you look back and say, like, let the curiosity get the best of you. It's like, I was always the super curious. Like, if you literally go back to any company that I've ever worked for, which is actually real quick, um, something that I also want to point out that I've noticed is similar characteristic. I'm on your LinkedIn right now. Yeah. And I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11 experiences from mm. 2010 till today. So over nine years, there have been 11 experiences that LinkedIn or that you've identified to LinkedIn um, as to what you've done.
1: Huh. Wow. I Just 11. At myself.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. And so like the one thing I wanted to point out was that you have like a ton of things that you've done. Mm. And I've actually, looked at my LinkedIn, like self-conscious sometimes as to like, man, like this kid's a jumper. Like what, like look at all the experiences that mm. I have and I'm looking right now. I've never even, oh my mm. gosh. Oh my goodness. It's still going. Okay. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 21, only another word. <laughs> and, and you had, uh, what, th- 13? Yeah. So I'm at 21 and you're at 13. So it's interesting because I, my, one of my first places that I worked at a college was an agency mm-hmm. and the CEO was, you know, awesome. It's like super, like if you imagine like like lady boss, like she's yeah. the boss of, you know, the marketing world mm. and like her thing was like sticking with the same place. And I know that when I was thinking about going to another place, she was like, man, like you've got to learn to like stay in the same place. Like you just haven't <laughs> learned the things yet that, you know, you're wanting to learn, like you'll get there. You're just not there yet. Mm. I'm Like, yeah, I want to make more money and this, that. And like that was something that's interesting that as I sit down and talk with more people, I'm realizing that everybody that I sit down with has so much experience that like, it gets to the point to where it's like, yo, if you want to look at what I've done, just like go to my website or somewhere. <laughs> like it's not going to be on my LinkedIn because whatever reason, right? Like, yes, you've just done so many things and experienced so many different cultures and people mm-hmm. and mindsets and heart sets and emotions and everything. Yeah. Um So, I guess, like, could you share what having so many of those experiences
1: kind of help shape you into who you are today? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, that's a good point, right? Like what we put on LinkedIn, professional resumes is obviously what we want uh, the professional face to, to, to look like, right? And so if you really, and this is one thing I kind of get at when I'm chatting to people, even just interviewing them for a job, right, is... know tell me about your family how did you deal with stuff around in in your family or you know tell me about all these other experiences that you had that are not on your resume because that is often the glue and will give you a better like better insight Um, having all the different uh, cultural experiences I think that's what's allowed me to almost be a chameleon between different uh, types of communities so having a background in programming allows me to understand the tech and also to be able to relate to developers um, having then gone to sales and marketing allows me to, you know, speak that language as well. Um, having uh, the, the the tech understanding again allowed me when I went into the corporate environment uh, to be fine in, in the operations department. Uh, then, you know, the fascination with people um, and and dealing with people growing up, you know, that comes from my mother. She was definitely the people person, and she used to be known for having like the best like house parties. Um, Sounds like my dad. Interesting, right? Um, And, you know, so you obviously learn and observe from that. And then, you know, through that, I think uh, having jumped to different countries, that also allowed me to look at, um, yeah, all the different cultures and learn to respect them. So, you know, the way I look at uh, professional communities too it's the same thing, you know, I just, between different companies or even different teams, each of them have their culture, their own cultures, subcultures, and so I just treat them as such. You just gotta, if you wanna understand them, learn their language, uh, learn their customs, all those things, and uh, yeah, as a result, I think I definitely, you know, I'm a supporter of globalization, um, because, well, for me, it's not an easy question when somebody asks, where are you from? My, both my parents are mixed, Uh, I've got an Australian citizenship, even though I was born in Fiji, but then, um, I grew up most of my formative years in Bangladesh and an American international school. So even being here in LA, like people think I'm from the U S but I'm not. Um, then when, you know, I go to other countries, my accent will dip in and out. Um, but I've learned to accept that. That's just part of who I am now, uh, that I am mixed and I'm proud of it. One day, if there's a Earth citizenship, that'll probably be the most accurate reflection um, for... You said
0: Earth citizenship?
1: Yeah, man. If that ever happens to come about, like that would be entirely accurate for... If somebody asked where you're from, I'd be more comfortable saying mm-hmm. that than any one of the countries that uh, make up my sort of heritage. Wow.
0: This could be a perfect place to put that... <laughs> Did you hear the new Earth song by Lil Dicky? No, I haven't. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be... <laughs> It's gonna you're gonna laugh because um I'm gonna find it on Spotify right now. That's how much I'm like you are gonna laugh. Earth. Yeah. All right. Do you use Spotify to listen to music by the way?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, awesome. So copy song link, go to Twitter DM messages. Don't you love technology that I can go to an app and send it to you and you're in another state? And you just got a song that is directly correlated to earth citizenship. So this song is literally little Dickie is on the earth, hugging it as the cover art.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. I see.
0: It's a crazy collab. It's an awesome song. Um, Yeah. Listen to it after this. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely check it out. And so I guess kind of, you're talking about people a lot and I've realized that Mm. that's a similar, you know, commonality that, You almost, when you start to realize that all of the experiences that you've had up till now have done nothing but created and shaped you into who you are and you are you. So all the things that you were in second grade are probably still there. They just been enhanced or other things have been enhanced, but then deleted. It's just Mm. like a program is kind of how I look at things. Like I feel like I'm like a machine in certain levels. Right. And Mm. I learn different things. And so. Um, one thing that I realized is like, oh my gosh, like what sorts of people helped me get here? Like Mm. what communities or people did I look up to, to get here and why? Right. So like, who are some of those people and like, what are
1: some of those communities for you? Hmm. Yeah. Um, family, I mean, of course, family, like being like the first main community. Right. Um, and then growing up, The community of my school, the international school, I think we've all. One thing that is being really cool is that as I go to each country, um, there's usually uh, an alumni from my class, or you know, just somebody from the school that I grew up in uh, in that country. So I always make a make an effort to reach out to them. And the cool thing is, is like no matter how much time has passed by, everybody that has come from that school or community um you know it's like no time has passed you know the conversations go smooth you know i was just in hawaii and i met up with um a girl who i hadn't seen for 18 years 18 years right and the conversation picked up like we had just uh you know we saw each other like last week and i i i just think that's crazy um but it's also really um really good to know you know in terms of having like i guess support networks and people that you can you can trust um, after that, um, I would say other communities, man, it's such a mix, right? As somebody who's all about people, like my role has always been at the edge of communities as well. Like I, I help bring people together, but I'm also not always fully part of it. Um, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but as, as someone who kind of is the glue, um, and likes to keep people together. Yeah, it's 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 almost like you, you have to be be there surrounding it, like little Dicky with the uh, the planet, but then not necessarily being in it fully, um, so that you can still always help the community with outside connections too. Because as a, as much as I love communities, you know, sometimes you can also create um, echo chambers, right? Which we kind of see with social media. But yeah, I, I would say that all the different groups that I have pass through, um, I like connect through them like glue. That makes sense. Um, and just, yeah. Helping them to to connect better.
0: No, I think that makes total sense. And it's funny because it's like, I was figuring out myself in the last couple of weeks of like, what is this community builder thing? Like, what is that Mm -hmm. brand that you're building? And then I realized like, that's been nothing but me. And like you said, like being in it, but not fully in it to where, um, one of my guests, Uh, Kevin Wynn guest and friend um, who is the founder of people and company and they do something similar to where they you know helicopter in to different communities and organizations and they also help them with their community strategies and you know they bring the clarity to the people and the businesses and organizations who like Mm. strive to bring their people um, you know the best right they Mm. are you know wanting to feel magic and so um on the website it says you know communities feel magical but they don't come together by magic so yeah. they're also like yourself like they are the the glue but they're not essentially um the infrastructure uh yeah. they're just kind of like bringing the playbooks along that's uh, okay boo <laughs> um they're bringing the playbooks along with them that they've learned and now they're helicoptering in and they're also writing a book right so Yeah, it sounds like similar um, to yourself. And I'm also a little bit further back on the journey, right? So I'm just developing my, you know, voice and my brand. So it's Mm -hmm. starting through the podcast channel. And now it's going to eventually evolve into I don't know what. Um, So I think it's really important for people um, to realize that, like, if you're someone that just wants to be, you know, involved in things like that's okay, too. Um, Mm -hmm. Another guest of mine, Ali Barrett. Uh, he also is someone similar. Like he likes to be known as, you know, a serial founder, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone who has like multiple ideas Mm -hmm. and like his thing is, is like, he loves like being the spark and he loves like starting things. And so it sounds like that's another one. It's like, well, like where were all these people all my life and how come I never knew where they were? (laughs) Um, and it's very fun just to realize like there's other people out there that also feel that you know they don't necessarily want to start so many things, mm-hmm. and that they can also you know help develop and evolve and, and get people to you know just talk about stuff, right? Like I'm the same way. I love talking to people. I love connecting with them. Um, so it's just like super nice to realize, like, hey guys, like
1: there are others like us. So let's yeah. talk. Exactly. And you know it's 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 interesting. You mentioned the spark because uh, that's essentially. You need the catalyst. You know, we call I I call them the catalyst to help get sort of community movements going. Uh, But then at the same time, the other aspect of community is you know how do you keep them together? Because there's one thing to get the spark going so that you can easily pull people together. But then like also keeping them uh, together for the long run is like you know the the second part to that. And I think that's where fire. So even the name there, we we use that because because one well it sounds like fire. And um, two, uh, the actual Samoan word means to span two divides like a bridge, or in other words, to bring the village together. And um, you know, we kind of look at fire in the old traditional sense with you know, like the campfire, and um, everybody huddled around it, and you know, creating a fire that like is warming but not destructive. Uh, if you know uh, the fire festival, uh, that, that story on Netflix, did mm-hmm. you see that? Yeah, did yeah, you see I watched that? it. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that's an example of like not knowing how how to handle the element of fire. And, um, you know, we look at that as well uh, when we're building communities that there's a lot of things that you can do for quick wins to get people together, which I think in, you know, uh, sales and marketing, you learn how to do. But I think why things like community management is popping up is because, well, it is becoming about things like empathy and creativity and all these other softer skills that haven't being so easy to sort of, you know, understand their true value, but I think that's changing. And so, um, you know, being able to understand how to use the element of fire to, um, make things last, uh, that is kind of like a, a beacon, um, or a center and anchor for, for us as well as we move forward. And, and, and to also light, you know, get the fire going for people individually. And so that they're sharing, you know, that with each other in the community.
0: Right. And I think that's so important too. And to piggyback off that real quick, um, shout out to Kevin Wynn for that in his book. Um, uh, one of the chapters that they initially were writing about was sparking the flame, mm. stoking the flame, which is like similar to your glue it sounds, yeah, and then passing the torch kind of like to the next person. Um exactly. so I'm curious to see, you know, how they've elaborated or updated and expanded on those sorts of you know thoughts uh when they released their book. Nice. Um and so it also is interesting too, because I love what you said about um, creating creating a fire that is not destructive and the bringing a village together around a campfire oh. because those things when you think about quick wins in the long game you think about like oh wow like how do you harness safe heat and in one of my episodes with Priya Parker or excuse me Priya Parker mm-hmm. I you know learned that you know safe heat is something that she learned from um, Ida Benedito Mm. um who is you know an awesome facilitator and we'll also have links to her in the show notes as well uh who talks about safe heat and how to garner safe heat right yeah so it's like a four-step process and it's like well um is there like what's the risk involved um and then what's the gift right so what are the the give and takes and then if the gift is greater than the risk then like is it okay if we do it And then if the gift is greater than the risk, then like, let's go ahead and see what happens. And as long as everybody's on board with that, then that's kind of like, kind of like a framework for bringing safe heat and kind of like turning up that dial on the fire to where everybody's aware that it's about to get really hot. And like, this is how we're going to move through it together. (laughs) Like, get ready, like take off your hoodie if you're getting too hot or whatever the case is, or let your, (laughs) leave your emotions at the door. But like, we're going to talk about this now. Um, and so like, that's such a simple framework that so many people can use even in, you know, work conversations, relation conversations, friend conversations. Like I've used it a lot and I'm like, Hey, like, this is what's bothering us or this is what the crossroad is. Like, do you want to talk about that? And if not, then we probably can't go forward right now. Like we're probably going to have to come back and visit this later. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like really, really important to just remember those sorts of things and empathy and creativity that like for the longest time, like, you've heard as well and you've experienced it's those things used to get made fun of. Like I used to get made fun of for being empathetic and all the roles I've been in. Literally, I think my first job, I've had a female CEO and a female manager. And then I've also had a, um, another female manager. So that's three female managers. And then I've had one male manager. Um, but it's been interesting. Like that's three out of four have been female, which I'm not going to make assumptions, but they skew empathy um oh, cool. and they like they just yeah. know how to care deeper um and it's just something that for the longest time males get you know scrutinized and made fun of for being soft but then it doesn't affect me because i'm like wait i'm not soft like i can crush you like if <laughs> yeah. if you really want to play whatever game like i will beat you like that's just my mentality and you know and like it goes and comes and like you have to remind yourself that like You were this person, like you achieve these things. Like, don't Mm. shortchange yourself. And like for me, I'm like, oh, when I hear people talking about running and doing marathons and this and that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. But like, I'm not a marathon runner. Like, I was a triple jumper. I was a safety. Like, I don't run marathons. Like, that's not who I was. You know what I mean? Mm. So like for me, like playing flag football is how I still get that. And going for runs here and there, that where I could do short sprints and like jump over benches in the park. Like, that's fun. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so like realizing that all these things are now, you know, making me who I am. And then now I can just, you know, be empathetic and be creative and I'm getting rewarded for that now. But yeah. before it wasn't like a thing that was cool. And so mm-hmm. now it's interesting to see like the non-empathetic humans of the world and mm-hmm. to see the empathy and then realize like how to bring it to the table. And I literally have a journal um, and I've, it's on Twitter as well. But I have a journal where it's kind of like, I don't think it's called minimalistic journaling mm-hmm. and I write a square and each day on the side, on the bottom left, on the outside of the circle, I'll write what day number it is. Mm-hmm. And so like I think today might be like day twenty seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think actually, no, let's do this. So time and date, um, date duration between two dates. I was born... Actually, let's do you first. What day were you born? Uh, 15th of August. So this is 8, 15... Um, and then what year? 86. 1986. Okay. And then today. So calculate duration. You are 11,972 days old. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> Wowzers. Um and the, you put it like that.
0: <laughs> right. It's mm. funny, and this is something that I learned from another podcast guest, uh, Jason Gaynard, and I forget which episode it was from, but I can also link out to that in the show notes as well. Yep. Um, and I'm on day, I was close, I said 10,227, mm. um, but I'm actually, the funny thing is 10,227 is I think my birthday. So the 26th would be 26, the 27th would be 27, no, 28 would be the 28th. So no, I'm 10,225 days old. Um, But the reason I even pointed this out is because on the side here, there's also, I'll just send you the link so you have it um, to use. There is something that says alternative time units. Mm. And I find that very interesting because of a few things. Like number one, that is also converted into 1460 weeks in five days. Uh it's two thousand excuse me, two hundred and forty-five thousand four hundred hours. Like that's crazy. Like I've been alive for two hundred and forty-five thousand and four hundred hours. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. What have I done? Like, am I satisfied with what I've done? And mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna make an assumption here and say that your answer is gonna be no. And for anybody that's hungry, the answer is going to be no. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so once I realized that, and like that message from Jason, it was just like, Oh my God, like I haven't done, I'm not happy with what I've accomplished. Like I got to start going. Mm. And like, that's what i started last year. Like I found, you know, someone who was willing to spend the time in James Carberry from Sweetfish Media. Shout out Mm. to you, James, um, who helped me get this thing launched. Like, it was literally this is actually a crazy meta circle thing that Gary probably would love to listen to at some point um, when we get in front of him. It, James was meeting with and I'll have to ask if this is allowed, but like he was meeting with you know uh Vayner media people the day that he met with me, mm. and I had lunch with him, and at that table he said, you know, like, you know, content-based networking is the way of the future. Like this is, you know, what the foundation of, you know, B2B growth is built off of, you know, right. Like build relationships and build friendships with your, you know, top, you know, people and through that you might do business with them. That's it. And literally that lunch, you know, he literally sent his designer a quick, hey, I have a guy who wants to start a podcast about community building in 30 minutes. I had a logo back and I was nice. like, Whoa, like what? Mm. I was like, what in the world is this? And then I was like, okay, so I guess I have to do a podcast episode now. And then downloaded his guide to starting a podcast. It's like a 26 step guide, which I can also put in the show notes. Mm. Um, and that's what I used at the foundation to get started. Got my mic. He was my you know, second guest. Uh, my first guest was Cecil Phillip. Uh, which I just did my second interview with him uh, mm-hmm. on Monday of last week, uh, which I haven't even put out the one that we did last year. So it's kind of funny that I didn't get that out yet, but it's crazy that this story started with Gary V and mm-hmm. it still has him in this moment right now, which yeah. is like crazier because literally it's like, wait, we're just two people that just listened to his go do. yeah, And this is what happened. Like a year later, I did all this stuff and you've done so much crazy stuff that a year before you would have been like, Oh,
1: like,
0: yeah, I don't think I could be a podcast host or Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that you've accomplished. So just wanted to like point that out that it's, it's not so crazy that when you've listened to successful people do successful things, Mm -hmm. you start finding success and it's okay to talk with people about it because it's weird. It's unfamiliar. And what better way than to learn with someone who recently went through it or was currently going through it to learn how to evolve and get to the next level? And so, like, that's kind of what a quick lesson that I want to share with people is like, hey, like, me and George literally are two people that just listen to the same guy, happen to be tweeting about the same stuff. And oh, by the way, like, Gary didn't spend any money on that Super Bowl ad. That was a Twitter post. Exactly. So, like, that's another crazy thing that when you're bringing people to the future. And today, did you see, by the way, Hashtag Saturday morning on Twitter?
1: No, I didn't.
0: Oh, my gosh. What's happening there? So, Gary V put out a TV series for kids.
1: What?
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, if you go to hashtag Saturday morning. morning. So, I was just on... I was listening to crushing it, which I'm surprised I haven't finished or listened to it yet. Cause Holy I realized God. that.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so I had it. And then, right. The first post is guess who? One 37 PM. Like, of course it is, you know, trending on Twitter, like yeah. duh. Um, and he just premiered his own Saturday morning cartoon, Lil V. Um, wow. Will, did it? Say? Okay. So let me, let me, let me get better at this. Sorry, Gary, I'm messing this up. Um, <laughs> so Gary V just premiered his own show hashtag Saturday morning cartoon, Lil V, hashtag Lil V will open up kids' eyes to what's possible in business, especially if they're showing early signs of entrepreneurial talent and show them how empathy and kindness can be cool. And like, I watched that episode when I was getting my haircut and I literally was like, yo bro, this is crazy. Like I'm not even going to ruin it for anybody because like, this is something that's gonna, I feel like gonna be like the next Mr. Rogers sort of (laughs) level content. And I personally am going to put out some sort of animated something. I just haven't gotten there yet.
1: Um, and that's, I think one important thing. Go ahead. Yeah, no, this is great. Like I'm, I'm watching the the trailer at at the same time and it's like, (laughs) it's so like low, um, I won't say low budget, but like, it's so simple and it it's going to be so effective. That's what's going to make it, make it effective.
0: Bro. When I watched it this morning, I think it had like 17,000 views and let's see what it's at
1: now. Almost 30,000 now. So
0: it's a 30,000, but 20, yo, I'm just, yeah, it's a 29,000, but like. <laughs> Yo, know, the the intro music, bro, I was yeah. already bopping. <laughs> and, like, that reminds me, too, about the Super Bowl ads. Like, that's another thing that is interesting in marketing, which can mm-hmm. honestly lead us into trends, um, is, like, Gary Vee got us to talk about this during the Super Bowl ad and did the Venmo thing, which got us to talk about community and connected us about the Singapore yeah. um, network. And we haven't even gotten that, but we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, and then you also, did you see the Chance the Rapper Uh, ad that was in there with Doritos. Yeah, yes, yes. with the Backstreet Boys. So look at that, right? Like, who eats Doritos? Us, right? (laughs) Like, the Backstreet Boys is us, and Chance the Rapper is us. Yeah. So like, that was brilliant. Yeah, man. And like, it's just crazy that now that you know he can use these mediums like YouTube and Instagram to like talk to people. Like, it really blew my mind as I was listening to Crushing It to Mm -hmm. where Gary said that he was on, you know, musically in TikTok, and in Snapchat. And like, I knew he was there like from watching his content, right? Like clearly I've watched a lot of it, but I didn't really understand because I wasn't on those platforms. Yeah. And once you start to put out content, like, that's what I would recommend honestly to my previous self is to focus on one channel first.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, I went from podcasting to video, to Instagram, to Twitter, to YouTube, to LinkedIn, to blogging, to email newsletters, to Sp- Shopify, to Spotify, to iTunes, to Alexa. So I don't even know the platforms, right? Yeah. And through that, I was like, wait a minute, just focus on voice. Like you are a talker. Like you've been a talker since you were a kid. Alexa, stop listening. <laughs> okay. She's going to act stupid now. <laughs> um she's done and so now use that medium like use the microphone like use that as your platform to get all this stuff out mm. and i didn't know that i can't do all that stuff like gary b has a team
1: yeah exactly <laughs> he has a
0: team of people that literally document him from multiple angles every day he's yeah. like the walking version of like kim k literally yep yeah. yep yeah all the producers and all those things. And so for people like us that are like wanting to like get together and do all this stuff and want to document our journeys, like it's hard to do all of that when you've never done any of it, let alone find your voice and figure out what you can talk about and all that stuff. Yep. So just want to recommend to like anybody that is interested or thinking about starting or wants to be like their own documenter, like, I def- definitely would recommend starting with one medium. Like, pick a tool, right? Like, if you think you're better in front of a video, just use videos. If you think you like voice better, use voice. If you're really good at writing and want to get better at writing and maybe want to write short stories and novels or sh- cartoons or movies, whatever, go write, start a blog. Like, so there's so many different mediums now to where anybody can create anything. Like, in Crushing It, there's a, a part about someone who... On Snapchat, they could use filters to overlay images and make creations that they could never draw in real life.
1: Hmm.
0: Right. The fact that you said, hmm, is yeah. like exactly the point. It's like, wait a minute, like this kid can make a living on Snapchat making, you know, short images for businesses. Like, could you imagine when like enterprises get to like Snapchat? <laughs> like, yeah. all these enterprise companies are going to spend so much money on like social media posts that kids learn how to do you know what i mean exactly and they, this is what's going to happen so i just think it's fascinating to now be living through it and be playing in it and i think one thing that i haven't taken advantage of enough is actually investing in ads like i like one of my friends is a marketer and like a couple years ago he's like man like have you ever marketed anything and i was like ah uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, ah, I couldn't really think of it. Cause like I couldn't pull from the experience, but then I looked back and it's like, what are you talking about? Yes, you have. Like mm-hmm. I worked at a marketing agency. You know what I mean? Like I worked on campaigns. I worked on grassroots campaigns. I built them from the ground up. I did contests. I did, you know, email campaigns. I've done website redesigns. I've done all that stuff. And I just didn't accept that I was a marketer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I just think it's like important to pull out your key skills and focus on like one craft and like one medium. And then once you get good enough to where, like I said, you can put together an agenda in like 10 minutes before the call and still have a good conversation. Like you've gotten to a level that you're not as nervous and you can execute on. And so by bringing each other together, like myself and George, it's like, wait, like these are two podcasters that I've already learned this stuff. So like we can, help share our stories to maybe give you a piece of advice or a tidbit or an insight that you can use on your journey that will help you get there faster. And through that, that is the true power of community because we're sharing information and knowledge that was before decentralized and we're centralizing in this thing that we're now calling a community, which is nothing more than, you know, a central place or space for sharing ideas, thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And together, every time that we meet and gather, we're now making that bond and connection to each other and to the community stronger. And through that, we're now growing things. And I think the real future of the world, honestly, is in communities, in organizations and enterprises are going to shift to this community focused uh, hierarchy or structure, if you will. I actually don't even want to say hierarchy. I'm going to say structure. Because I think a community structure is something that all these enterprises are lacking. And it's all these silos of different products and teams that are working on so many different initiatives and so many different things are important to them. And if you just realize that like, if you just had one elder that knew everything, like the giver that had the library of all the books that could sit down and have chats with people. And it was literally their only job to be the giver of information inside of a company like could you imagine if that's a a a, a role
1: like well i think sales, i think salesforce uh, were the first to experiment with that actually they have i think they have somebody who actually performs that type of function
0: so they're not just like a person who's been there that just does their you know lunch and learn of like hey like i'm no. a product
1: no the full-time salaried guy who literally like will listen to people's issues and also like give advice and like uh, coach them towards like what they want to be doing in life. And it doesn't have to be related to Salesforce, but they'll leverage Salesforce's um, resources. Uh, there's a woman, uh, have you heard of Erica Cool by any chance?
0: No. Okay. So it's kind of like we have someone like that. Uh, we use a woman named Julia Mallory. Um, she comes in. She actually did a diversity and inclusion training with us um, a couple weeks ago that I had the opportunity to uh, participate
1: in. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, so this, uh, Erica cool. Isn't the one, um, who has that role, but at Salesforce, just look it up. I think they're like a, a dream coach or something. I think that's their title or like a head of dreams or something. Cause Salesforce has the money to be able to like, you know, yeah. experiments with, with roles, Right. But, um, Erica cool. She's the VP of community at Salesforce. Um, really cool person. Uh, she's probably another person like you might want to, um, interview for the podcast. Um, but she's, you know, she's been very uh, strong and adamant about uh, bringing community uh, to a respectable, uh, respectful level in uh, enterprise. And they, they're doing it um, at Salesforce. So uh, they're kind of like leading the way in that sense.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because when I went out to SF to demand Demandbase headquarters, mm. I saw the... Um, I saw that and I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy because they have so much money in yeah. that space, in that city that they can literally run the city. Like they can rename San Francisco Salesforce city. Yeah. Like yeah. really though. Yeah. And I really like that. You, you mentioned that like they're trying to bring it together and it's just one thing that you just realize is just a piece of growing in it. Do you watch billions by chance?
1: uh no but so many people have been telling me to watch it uh just (laughs) time-wise need to get some time to like sit down and watch some of these things
0: i mean right and i mean obviously we all have to make space to unplug and disconnect that's one of the you know things that i like to do is you know watch billions and watch tv shows right billions um house of cards was the one i really like and then what was the other one with marty khan um house of lies That one was very interesting. Um, But Wendy is the psychiatrist that works at Axe Capital. And uh, just real quick bio on her. Wendy combines an avid intellect with a keen understanding of human nature. She used those skills to help Bobby Axelrod build his hedge fund from the ground up and now works as the company's star in-house performance coach. So it sounds like she's Wendy Rhodes. Yeah, sounds similar. Got it. So yeah, I think that's like a a resource that now, and it was funny, I was talking to my barber about this and I was like, yo, it's crazy because they should have a psychiatrist or like someone to talk to, like almost like a mediator in every single like small or local business to make it normal to talk about how you're feeling. So like Mm -hmm. bring back the barbershop days and bring back like the days of where like you got coffee and tea and just for the people who already do that, like this isn't for you guys, like you guys are already building community and connections and all those things. So um this is more just like geared towards the people who are, you know, not sure what to do or not. we sure sure to find them because like they're there, but they're just not being highlighted. And so it's like, how can we highlight and show people simpler ways that they can connect? And, you know, one way is making it, cooler to talk about, uh, empathy and cooler to talk about your emotions. So that way you don't blow up in your company meeting and, you know, have everybody upset or looking like you are crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, awesome. So yeah, uh, sorry. We went off on a little bit of a rant. Um, but I think it was definitely, you know, in line and, and on topic. Uh, yeah. But so I I guess kind of going into the next section, um, just talk to us about some of the upcoming trends that you're seeing. So I have a couple of things down community strategy, community in general, um, community leadership, coaching, you know, creativity, empathy, um, are some of the things that I thought could, you know, get your brain started. So, um, yeah, uh, feel free to go in whatever direction or in the trends that you
1: you're seeing. Sure. Okay. Community. Um, some trends i'm seeing now this depends on which part of the world you're talking to Um, in asia i think right now it's a very good opportunity for like professional community folks um, if they're looking to help or assist others um, there's been a growing interest in community management in a lot of developing countries in asia and but from the non let's say the western side so us europe the shift that I'm seeing there, and this is kind of being confirmed by some of the influencers in the space, uh, even on Twitter, is that uh, community professionals are um, actually taking, in terms of career growth, they're starting to take on jobs um, in other more traditional areas. So, so they might've been a community manager, but then end up as a product manager or um, maybe an HR or even ops sometimes. Um, And, there are two reasons for this. It might be, one, it's you know, still quite difficult for people within organizations that don't quite get community to kind of box you in anywhere um, and figure out how to work uh, with community professionals. Um, as an example, even in my last uh, fintech job, I was the enterprise uh, community manager for like the entire, um, all the regions, but they started me out in operations, And then they put me into the marketing team. So even there, they didn't know how to fit me into the more traditional departments. And so this may change, uh, but I think the community might end up being called something else. Um, And I think this is because there are still a lot of parts of society that associate community, not just with business, of course, but like, you know, the more traditional civic communities um, and that has been, I think, a thorn in the side of a lot of community professionals. However, uh, if you look up, uh, Rachel, uh, from the community Roundtable, uh, they're, they just, they're about to put out a report, um, with findings from their interviews with a whole bunch of different organizations. And, uh, there are an increasing number of professionals who are moving up to like an executive uh, level as a community professional um, in, in in more organizations, so I think there definitely is an increase in interest. Um, but I th- I think there may be um, there may be a shift as well in terms of how we 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 call communities um, in different parts of the world. So yeah, th- those are some of the main things I'm seeing right now.
0: Yeah, no, I love that, and Rachel's awesome. I had the pleasure of speaking with her um, last summer. And we had yeah. a ch- quick chat about community and definitely have talked with her multiples of times. Um, and the other thing I really love what you said about community evolving is that makes so much sense because that's exactly why I started this podcast as well, um, which people I feel like who've listened to the show can kind of understand and the people that know me. And I got into community and was working at Meetup, you know, like the community yeah. company. and i was a sales guy with biz dev experience with a marketing and you know ed tech background and i was going there and to learn community i was like i gotta go talk to people Mm -hmm. so what did i do started a podcast right yeah and so in talking to people i realized that community is something that like these large organizations don't really get because the way that community is still perceived in that world is that community? Is you know the outreach and the people we give you know one million dollars to out of our yeah. seven hundred billion dollars of revenue, exactly. that's community, and so that
1: social, corporate social responsibility. Uh, yeah, in that, Australia, the CSR <laughs> facts
0: CSR is mm-hmm. the name of the game for them, mm-hmm. and so I'm realizing like I legit kid you not, I was prospecting a company the other day. And I saw that they gave away $1.5 million in mm-hmm. student, you know, loan repayment, right? Yeah. And meanwhile, you have, you know, someone that Robert, or excuse me, Robert Smith pledged to pay off Morehouse's graduate student loans. One human said he's going to pay off this year's Morehouse graduate graduating classes student loans. And this multi-million dollar company only gave $1.5 million to these kids. Mm. And I'm sitting here like, yo, something does not sit right with me with this. Like, I don't know what it was. I, like, I laughed at it. I like, wanted to tweet about it. And I like, wanted to expose the company. And I was like, nah, that's not how you do this. Mm. And But it's crazy because when you get so caught up in emotions, you don't realize that like, okay, calm down mm. and look at what you can do. And so you realize, like, you can do things like m um, and Bank, for example. They're doing a sponsorship with the Jets to where they're giving a small business $100,000. Mm. That is something that I can get on board with. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, like, I would compete for New York Giants podcast sponsorship. What? You know what I mean? Like, I would compete for that. Yeah. Um, and so, like, if every football team did that, like, that's a whole other conversation. I'm sure they have contests and things like that, but there's no centralized location for sports competitions to get sponsorships like a draft for podcasts. Like that's not a thing. Like neither was video gaming. And now that's a thing. So (laughs) now being early on in the space, it's like, well, what, what do we want to do? And so, yeah, I definitely love those trends and think, you know, that's another one. Uh, Eric Cubs, (laughs) excuse me. Um, Sorry. Thank you. Um, like, did, did you see the the video from the the guy Gary V. drafted that sneezed at himself and said thank you <laughs> yeah, and yeah. said thank you? It's like <laughs> that's the world, that's the future. It's like people with personalities like that that can shine and be themselves and just like yeah. go with the flow. Like that's what it is. Um, yeah, you know, Like, I guess going on that note, like, kind of what's up next for you? Like, what's next up with fire? What's up next with the, you know, it will come show or what other projects that you have, you know, cooking that you want to talk about?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Well, one thing I forgot to mention from the trend side, uh, and this is connected to what's next is uh, to really look out for, well, I'm looking at the next 10 or 20 years, but what's happening in the Bitcoin space. uh, That's an area that I got involved with as well. Um, Well, originally 2013, And then it picked up more from a community side, I'd say 2016. And the reason why I say to look out there is because what's happening under most people's noses right now is like a complete rewiring of our financial plumbing system. And um, as that starts to make its way out, it will also kind of change the way that we interact with one another from a tech standpoint. Um, And how? Um, Well, it's like imagine... Imagine if uh, when you're interacting with people online, every time a piece of uh, data is being sent or received, you're actually earning or spending, uh, say, Bitcoin, right, in the form of microtransactions. And what this also means is that when it comes to data and privacy, you have a lot more control than what, say, you have now. Um, So right now, right, we think that we're uh, using things like Facebook for free or even these services for free. Um, but you know the third-party vendors are able to use our data and then sell it off. In a Bitcoin type of world, uh, what is currently being developed is that every piece of information is actually a transaction now. And you actually have, will have more control over how that information gets disseminated. And then everybody is almost getting paid in real time, and you can actually see that and track that depending on, Permissions between one another. Now, this it, it, this goes a bit um, a bit deeper, oh. like a whole another hours worth of discussions on it. But um, hello, yeah, no, you're here. You just broke up a little bit. Okay, yep, no worries. Um, but yeah, uh, from a community standpoint, I think it's going to have um, a lot of impact on social networks, etc. Um, and you'll also see that a lot of social networks are trying to move towards. Uh, what I call a small world network, um, whereby you know they're trying to make things more closed, uh, intimate, and private, as mm-hmm. opposed to what we. Interesting. Right? And say that. So, who's trying to do this again? Uh, all the major social media networks. So we're talking, um, you know, Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, even LinkedIn. Uh, and and how you can see this is, you know, LinkedIn uh, trying to put some focus on their groups. Um, Facebook also oh now prioritizing. Gosh bro. Oops. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You're hitting me. I have a lot of things I'm about to unleash on you real quick, but yes, <laughs> keep
1: going. Sorry. Yep. 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 So, um, all of these things are, yeah. Uh, what we call uh, call small world networks. So before it was like the open wide network. Now it's about the small world network. And so, um, Facebook realized that connecting the whole world is not enough, right? That's, that's fine. You've connected everybody. Now what, um, it's actually about meaningful connections and that goes back to the village model. Right. Where you felt like you knew everybody. Um, and this is where I see how that kind of impacts how we see communities as well. And where I see a lot of like old principles coming back again, just a new packaging. Facts.
0: I think that's so important to like think about, too, because I was getting chills when you were saying about how, you know, the small world networks and how they're like, we're talking in a world to where Instagram, Facebook Twitter, Snapchat, and LinkedIn, or "quote unquote" small world
1: networks—that's mm-hmm. like insane to so many people right now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, keep going. Yeah, and and, and you'll see too, like how uh, in the '90s, right? We had the was the the movie with Will Smith, the Six Degrees of Separation. So our understanding of how you know um, social networks worked was that we thought, oh, it takes about six degrees um, between everybody before you, know, you can get to say, oh, wow, we all know each other. Uh, whereas if you look at LinkedIn, uh, what's the first, furthest degree connection that you've ever met, even though you might have you know, gone uh, quite far and wide? Um, so there's first degree connections, right, where those people know at least one other person that you know has a first degree connection, second and then third, um, do you know what the, the, the furthest away degree connection you have on LinkedIn is? Uh, like what would an answer be like five? Yeah. That be Like an answer? Well, yeah. I mean, you could say if you, if you can actually find a fifth degree connection, but actually, ha- y- yep. So if you go to your friends list on, okay, LinkedIn,
0: I'm going there now.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, um you can usually.
0: Is this a hack? Separate this isn't in the product, of- is it?
1: Via uh, no, 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 no. This is more, you'll, uh, all right. So see done. connections, right? So, yep. Or you can try. Yep. So if you go to connections, so okay. I went to find and connections, I see the results. All right. And then search with filters. Search with filters.
0: Are you in sales now or just regular LinkedIn?
1: Uh, just regular.
0: Okay. So all filters.
1: All right. So search with fil- fil- filters and then, uh, you should see like first an option at the top bar that says first, second, or third. Plus. Yeah, I only
0: see second. No third plus is checked for me.
1: Ah, uh, there you go. All right. so that means most of your connections are either first or second degree connections. Mine, mine shows the furthest away is three. So Wait, how does that? How do you get to three? That means that like uh, I have met somebody who is that far out. Um, of my first and second degree connections. Now, the weird thing is, even though I'm traveling around the world, people I'm connecting with in LinkedIn, even though I've never met them in my life, they're still connected somehow to my first and second degree connections.
0: Interesting. Mm -hmm. So technically, in order for me to get this third level connection Mm -hmm. filter unlocked, I would have to connect with someone who my second degree is connected with that I'm currently not in their network of.
1: Yeah, or or not even, uh, or they don't even touch your first or second degree connections.
0: Right, but that's with like my whole network, though. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. how do you like how do you search for that? Like they need <laughs> to make a filter for that. Like you, because like I'd have no, I don't even not. I don't have the time <laughs> for that right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this no goes, that's so cool, though. So this goes back to the small world network, and it also goes to like perhaps maybe some of our biases that the types of people we connect with you know, the reason why we connect with them is because maybe we have a lot of similarities and then it just so happens that they happen to know um, our first or second degree connection somewhere within our networks on LinkedIn. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, this is what creates a small world effect whereby when you're meeting people, even though you're going around the world um, or even just around, say, the States, um, they will know somebody that you know for sure and you'll go, wow, doesn't this feel like a small world? So this is the power of things like LinkedIn, Facebook, et cetera. But then it's going that next step now where you actually still at least know the group of people that you're connected to. I think that the other bit is that we may be connected to a lot of people, but how many of them do you really know?
0: Right. And that's my thing. And I don't even know, maybe this is like another episode or something we could do like offline. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that I've been doing more with this documentation is through, like, can you imagine this place where like, all right we have all this content that we've made right like i have like i said 7000 whatever many videos like yep. imagine so like i'm imagining me loading these videos into this like room that's this like blockchain like segmenter or something right yep. and in this room you're going to give each one of my videos a unique tag from 1 to 7775 yep and from that point on it's everybody Okay, Eva, thank you. Um, and with every single time, you realize that, actually, let me see if I can keep her on so we can, let me just try. Because mm-hmm. this is all about trying and going
1: with the flow. Um, I and I may know. have to head out in about like 10 minutes. If that's yeah, right.
0: same, I know, I looked yeah. at the time and I was like, let me just see if she can say it up, but not, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Crap. See, now it's, Eva, you messed up my train of thought. Uh, What was I talking about? Blockchain. Oh, sorry. Yeah, blockchain and, and like, staying on it. So, um, now my videos have, you know, a unique number on each one of them. Um, So, I'm curious, like, is that, like, a thing that, like, blockchain is, like, going to help with? Like, Mm because I'm the type of person where I would record every single piece of audio and video and want it to go somewhere and then segment it based off of well what can i put on linkedin then we'll go to this linkedin place get a linkedin tag and then it would be safe for linkedin you know what i mean and yeah. every single post would then from there it would go to linkedin's actual repository and i would own all of my content so all this copyright stuff like exactly. all the businesses that exist now won't exist yep and so, so like that's
1: it's like yeah sorry go ahead no, no, no. You're spot on, man. Like, I'm just like, a comf- uh, like agreeing that like, that's essentially like the original envisioned Bitcoin type of world whereby, you know, the underlying data actually you own and it can be um, ported over to any, um, any service. Right. But every time that it's ported, like the underlying root data you own and it knows. And so anytime anybody interacts with it. So I'm already, we're already doing this. On this um, yeah. You just messed
0: me up. I just thought about like how much Bitcoin Gary Vee would have. That's sorry. This is like one of those. I'm going to say this. out. (laughs) Yeah, bro. I would be rich right now. If I could get Bitcoin for empathy, bro, I'd be rich. And so like, that's the thing where I'm like, oh my gosh. I don't know if anyone heard the excitement, but like I've had so many emotions over the I'm turning 28 on Tuesday. Nice. Um, so, like, it's my golden birthday. Like, there's yeah. so many emotions that have been going through me over the last couple of weeks. Mm. And, like, shout out to Lauren, to Boo for <laughs> keeping me sane through all this roller coaster and all these amazing things. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm realizing that, like, I am learning and continuing to build on the principles of empathy and personal development and growth. and all the things that have been preached to me my whole life and the traditional values are still instilled in me from my parents. Like I have, I just bought us a, a new watch mm. and it's a, it's a, it's a hybrid watch. It's a yeah. smart, it's, it's a normal looking watch with smart features, almost like some 007 type stuff. Mm. And it was interesting because I was like, you know what? Like what, an Apple watch would be cool mm. and I would learn and get all the data and I'd be connected. But mm. like, I'm, not as into the whole future as I thought I was. (laughs) And I'm like, actually, I just want this normal looking watch that looks sleek. And I've gotten so many compliments on it. Um, So it's like, bless you. Welcome. Um, It's a hybrid watch. And so like, for me, it's like, well, I realized that all the things my parents talk about, like the Westerns and being from South Carolina and not going to college and going to New York and creating Mm -hmm. their own opportunities and meeting each other randomly had my uncle's wedding when my mom was babysitting someone like all this stuff like now i'm back in brooklyn where they first met and had my brother on the other side of the park like (laughs) all this stuff is just like crazy when you look at it but then you're like wait a minute like that's just my story (laughs) yeah like that's my story Mm. um yeah so like super excited to you know talk about you know the bitcoin more and just like that's something i was struggling to understand like when i tell you i was like yo Why are these people meeting up about, like, (laughs) right now? If I go to Google and type in Bitcoin meetups, Mm. there are 4,925 Bitcoin groups with 1,735,614 members. Yep. I'll let that sink in for people for like two seconds. 1.7 million members in 4.9 thousand groups. And the crazy part is, is I'm going to go to the countries tab real quick. It's in uh, 116 countries and 1027 cities. Like this is a world that I've never explored. Right. So like Ethereum and Bitcoin, and I'm thinking like people don't get it. Right. So I was like, why do people think that Bitcoin is like gold or Bitcoin is like another form of money, but like, it is. It's just not the way that you're thinking about it. Like Bitcoin is yeah. legit like Black Mirror. Like that is what Bitcoin yeah. is. It, it, yeah. Please correct me if I'm
1: off. No, no, man. You're, you're spot on. And one, one thing people don't even realize is that like uh, Bitcoin, well, there's a lot of politics around it, but there's like more than there's three main Bitcoins at the moment. And uh, yeah, there's a lot more happening in the background, which is probably a subject for another, another time.
0: <laughs> right. No, uh, yeah, no, I definitely would love to hop into more of that and learn more. Um, about that topic. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess let's, let's wrap up with that. Um, so <laughs> definitely realize that George is working on some Bitcoin things and you know, it's one of those worlds that people talk about but they don't really know much about. At least that's what my view on it has been. Like I've heard people and I've tried to learn about it but it didn't make any sense. Like I bought Bitcoin and realized that I lost money. It was like, what the heck? <laughs> now realizing that like, it's not about the money value. Like yeah. the reason that, I guess I'm going to put this out there just to say it because what the heck I can say it Mm -hmm. like the reason that people lose money in Bitcoin or anything is because they don't know what it means. They don't understand it. So like if you put in money to a thing that is supposed to be the new way of operating everything, Mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, you're going to lose money because they don't even know what it means yet. Like they don't Mm -hmm. know who the big players are. It's the same way where the cannabis and marijuana industry was like five, 10 years ago. It's like all the same Mm -hmm. stuff. And so it's just happening to take a little bit longer because the guys who already built it say, Hey, like, Hey, I have this technology over here. Y'all like, what's up? And now the government's basically saying like, all right, y'all, we need to form an opinion around this thing and lead a charge to like make a decision. Yeah. And so now that's what we're living through.
1: Yep. And one thing for people uh, listening to is uh, just to look up something called metanet. Uh, this is how do you spell that? M e t a n e n e t. so MetaNet. That sounds like the Bitcoin universe. Mm-hmm. So that's phase two of Bitcoin. Phase one was Bitcoin. And some more things going to happen probably later this year and then early next year. So, yeah, watch that space. Wait,
0: yo, this, I thought the page was supposed to keep loading. <laughs> like when I looked at it, because it looks like a, uh, like an Atari game. Right? Am I in the wrong soft? Am I in the wrong place? So where are you looking? MetaSoftware dot com. It looks like it's <laughs> no, 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 no,
1: no, 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 um, Just look up Bitcoin MetaNet and then tell me what you see when you um, bring it up. All right, hold on. Sorry, Bitcoin Meta, Bitcoin MetaNet. Mm-hmm.
0: The start of MetaNet, Craig Wright.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I didn't see this one. Yep. Yeah. Got it, all right,
0: so I can dive into this, got it.
1: Yes, you can. But later on, essentially, this is what I was talking about, that world of uh, everything being connected to, like Bitcoin microtransactions, every single piece of data.
0: Oh, that's crazy, because the company I work for now, we help businesses identify anonymous users from different B2B companies, and through you know cookies and IP patent technology, we help people understand like which businesses and companies are in market for their products and solutions. So -hmm. we're like, I'm working in a company right now that's like on the brink of right before we're allowed to do all the info and it's all going to be encrypted and safe. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting that I never really thought about that until you brought this up to me. Like literally that's, we help the anonymous become known (laughs) and we help businesses You know, surface those insights to marketing and sales to help them align their efforts, so they know who to focus on, right? So, like, yeah, Yeah. it's it's that. So, like, now imagine someone like the government having that technology to Mm -hmm. then know who to align and focus on. That's what people are like, uh And in my head, I'm like, what's the problem? If you're Mm -hmm. not doing anything wrong, record away. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm happy you're doing it for me. That's how I look at it. You know what
1: I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where the the thing around that right is like. Uh, i'm definitely more for the the transparency and accountability um it's more about people having the ability to remain private but not necessarily anonymous i mean that's like the bitcoin world that we're looking at or speaking about with the metanet, and this is where things get interesting oh boy mm -hmm. this is
0: this is gonna be a fun birthday this Mm -hmm. is gonna be a fun one Well, George, thanks so much again for hopping on. You know, I want to let you get back to, you know, what you're doing over there in uh, California, right? You're in Cali? Yep,
1: I'm in Cali at the moment.
0: Nice. Um, We'll let you get back to that. And, yeah, man, like, let's definitely, guys, this is another lesson in reconnections, right? Like, no Mm -hmm. matter what, like, we know we're all busy, but let's just try, right? Like, it's all it is is a DM. All it is is a tweet. And that can reconnect these things and get you to further places. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So hopefully from this call, like this can literally be a case study for, for Gary, right? You can be like, yo, like, look what you did. We mm-hmm. both did this thing a year later. And then your Super Bowl ad inspired us to connect. And now we have a New York community around your brand that we're also bringing our brands into. Like yeah. you're the mothership brain and we're like the child companies, if you will. <laughs> um, but yeah, super excited to hop on. You know, really love chatting with you, man. And, you know, super, you know, happy that, you know, we're getting ready to start doing some more amazing things. Yeah, man. appreciate the time. You got it. And is there anything else that you want to leave anyone with uh, before you hop off?
1: Oh, just a saying that I use on the show, um, which is through patience and persistence. Remember, um, it will come. And uh, that's definitely a um, hat tip to uh, Gary V from the patient side, but the persistence, you know, you even showed your persistence by constantly nudging me to do the interview. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, just remember if your patience and persistence, it will come. Got it.
0: Well, thanks so much, George. And um, with that, everyone, uh, this was another episode of the community builder podcast with Travis King. Um, and we're logging out for next time. See ya. See ya.